Hello again, everyone. It is time for the Mainland Podcast. We're on episode number 160. And I'm Michael Citro. I'm the founder and managing editor of TheMainland.com, SB Nation's website covering Orlando City SC. We also cover the Orlando Pride at OCB and all things related to soccer in Orlando, whether the U.S. teams come here or the Orlando Seawolves are playing or the International Champions Cup. I mean, if it's major soccer here in the city beautiful, that's that's what we're about. So uh, hopefully you are reading our stuff over at TheMainland.com. I'm going to welcome in my co-host, David Rowe, one of our senior writers up in Tallahassee. Dave, how you doing? Well, uh, long-time listeners know that I sell cars, and it was end of the month today as we're recording this, so I'm pretty wiped out. But at least we get to talk about soccer, so, you know, a nice end to the day for me. Hmm. Well, you can lock all your doors. It's it's the only way to live in cars. Uh, But that's a song from another generation that most of our listeners probably (laughs) don't know. Probably don't know, no. That's why I I didn't see the need to add. We're going to keep it clean. We're going to keep it spoiler-free on the Avengers and Game of Thrones tonight, just in case you're worried. Uh, we're going to keep it spoiler-free. We, uh, we're not, spoiler-free. Not, not giving stuff away. Um, Alright, so Dave, let's start with Orlando City. Orlando City uh, went back on the road, had to go and play on the foosball table, as I like to call it. Very bouncy surface, very uh, slippery surface, and very narrow, very small pitch. Uh, where anything can happen, the ball can take just crazy bounces. Um, and uh, Orlando City, for the was it the second week in a row, takes the lead early? Or takes the lead in the mm-hmm. uh, first half? So this one was through Nani, and it was a uh, just a good run of play. Uh, you know, Juan uh, gets up the right flank, sends in a dangerous cross. The defense, uh, just some emergency defending to keep that from getting through. Um to its intended target. I can't remember if it was Mueller or Akindele at the time, but uh, it was knocked away by Cheneau, and it was uh, knocked right onto the foot of Nani, who put it in the back of the net and made it 1-0. And the Lions were looking pretty good in the first half, I thought, overall. Like, there were, There's always scary moments when, when New York City makes their attacking runs, when, when Maxi Morales gets on the ball or, or Anton Tinnerholm. Those guys are really good with the ball at their feet. They can make people miss and... and uh, drive through uh, traffic a little bit and get other people involved. So I thought Orlando City, for the most part in the first half, did their job, Dave, and and really narrowly uh, just missed having a second goal when um, Mm -hmm. uh, Nani was just a a tick offside coming back from an offside position, uh, a ball from Uri Rossell. If he waits just a fraction of a second longer, uh, that play is good, but in, instead it was whistled. Uh, it was called back offside after review. Uh, it was a great flick from Nani to feed it in deep to Chris Mueller, who um, seemed like he was allergic to shooting the ball in this game a little bit. And he, I don't know if he, I don't know if he was trying to pass it or or whiffed on a shot badly, but uh, it got over to Akindele, who put it in and made it seemingly made it two nil. But unfortunately, that goal didn't stand up was not to be thanks to uh the video review showing nani in an offside position but uh you you still have to like the uh um you know 
the way the, the the ball movement and getting it in there, um, you know, there's there's going to be a time where uh, somebody is not offside on that one. Like you said, it was you know by a fraction. So uh, you know, those are the types of things that if the team can be attacking like that, making those passes and and those runs, that's that's something that bodes well for you know going forward. What do you make of? James O'Connor's lineup decision not to start Dom Dwyer. I mean, um, I wrote about it this week. Uh, I There were a lot of things I didn't know about Dom Dwyer's numbers until I looked a little deeper into them. But it seemed to me that a guy who is pretty good in tight spaces uh, would be a guy you'd want out there in the tight spaces of Yankee Stadium. Uh, he decided to go with Akindele, you know, obviously... Tesho is a better guy in the air, but um, just never been as accomplished a striker as Dom. What, what, were you, what did you make of that when you saw it? Uh, well, uh, you know, obviously mildly surprising, um, but uh, I guess what I thought was okay. Either he's, you know, I, I went very basic. He's he's rotating players, you know, managing minutes, that type of thing, um, you know, and I, I didn't. I didn't give it much thought other than that because I knew at some point, you know, it, it, Dom is going to be in the game. Um, and it may be just a let's give, you know, Tesho a chance and, you know, maybe he's able to poke one in. Maybe it wasn't what the other team planned for uh, to start the, the match. They're thinking Dom and now they've got, you know, a guy that's a lot taller. You know, there's there's plenty that could have gone into it. Um, you know, but like I said, my immediate reaction was just – rotating players trying to keep fresh legs throughout the season you know i went very basic on it Mm -hmm. i didn't like it uh i didn't really do all the 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 research until later but i didn't like it for that for just that reason that i think dom is a guy you want in a tight space because he's he's kind of the little water bug type if you look at the way that, that new york city has sort of been built over the last couple of years they have a lot of those kind of smaller quicker type of players. Mm-hmm. Maxi Morales is that type of player. David Villa was that type of player. Uh, Alex Ring is that type of player. And these are the guys that I think do well on that pitch. And I thought that, I thought that it was a mistake. I also, the thing that I, I always go back to is what I like to call uh, providing aid and comfort to the enemy. Whenever you don't play your best players, you are providing aid and comfort to the enemy. <laughs> it's like, uh-huh. oh, cool. Now we don't have to play Dom Dwyer. Awesome. Good job. Thanks, James. Appreciate that. Right. Um, you know, I'm kind of like, um, I don't like him as a person, but I respect Bill Belichick as a coach. And his philosophy is kind of to always do what you would not want the other team to do in that situation, which is why you see him go for a lot of fourth downs. You know, teams don't right. want you to go for that fourth down. They want you to punt the ball, you know, so, right. uh, and things like that. I mean, I, I think that there's a certain amount of logic in let's make the other team uncomfortable and do what they don't want us to do. And one thing that nobody wants to do is play against Dom Dwyer for however long it is. I'm always of the opinion that rest is a two-way street. Yes, you can rest to start the game and, and save minutes. You can also rest at the end of the game and save minutes. So there are, are multiple ways to do that. So I would, I questioned the strategy. I don't, um, I don't question the thought of of a fatigued defense having to play Dom Dwyer uh, for the last thirty minutes. That is, and I wrote this in my story. If, if you didn't write this, if you didn't read it, it was this week. It was uh, basically just 
why we shouldn't freak out about Dom Dwyer's miss on Saturday. We'll get into that in a little bit. But um, one of the things that I said was that you would be insane not to try that because Dom Dwyer sure. is, is hard enough to handle from the, the outset of a game. Certainly it makes sense to put him on against a, a fatigue defense that's been running around for an hour. Now you do, you know, the logic says that they should be tiring out in that game because it's their third game in a week, but they didn't travel from the midweek game. So that saved them somewhat. And I honestly don't think the defenders run nearly as much on that pitch. I don't, I think you don't cover as much ground at Yankee stadium as you do in other places. And maybe that's just my perception. Maybe the numbers don't bear that out. I mean, you know, I don't. It I don't make sense. I mean, it's literally <laughs> smaller. I, I don't have the the access to the telemetry that they put on those players. You know, the little sports bra looking things that the guys wear to uh, track their their movement and their you know the, how much they ran and and how long they were at peak. Uh, you know, you know performance and all of that stuff. So I don't have those numbers to fall back on. So he he could be well within his. Uh, you know his his right to do that. I mean, certainly he's well with his right because he's the coach. But also, um, it, it does make a lot of sense from that perspective. I'm just coming at it as the perspective of I want that guy who's can turn on a dime and is good in small spaces to be out there on this pitch. And Tesho has done some good things, but I think Tesho showed in that game that he wasn't the right choice to start that game. I think he led the team in both being dispossessed and in bad touches. Uh, by right. uh, if you go by whoscored.com. So I think there was some logic to that. And I don't, you know, I mean, it's easy to say you were right after the game, but it, James O'Connor could have easily gotten that right and really almost did because Dom Dwyer should have scored a game winner. We'll get to that. But uh, first, we'll get to the break uh, with a 1 0 lead for Orlando City. And things look pretty good. I mean, New York was dangerous at times and and but I thought overall Orlando did a good job of of sort of absorbing pressure not really letting the ball get into too dangerous of an area even though they let uh New York kind of have the ball quite a bit it was they were deliberate about where they picked up pressure I thought Sebas Mendez and Will Johnson and Udi Rossell and Nani all worked mm-hmm. very well in the in the midfield uh in the middle of the field yep. I should say cuz Nani was playing forward but uh I thought they worked well together to uh, to try to keep everything into manageable situations. I think for the most part they did keep it manageable uh, when New York had the ball. But um, it was also to me an interesting thing to go to the 4-3-3 because uh, with a, a pitch that narrow you would think three could probably handle it. But I think that James O'Connor is actually starting to see a back line that he likes. Now as soon as I say that he's going to go three at the back this week against Toronto. <laughs> but... Um, I will say in two games they've conceded one goal. So, you know, kudos to, to Janssen and Sané uh, in the middle of uh, Juan and João mm-hmm. Moutinho. So, anyway, the second half started and uh, Orlando City with a set piece and it didn't go well. And Orlando City has really not done well on set pieces this year. It's not uh, necessarily delivery, but something's just not quite right. I think there's been some dangerous balls into the area, but... It just always seems like the defense has no problem heading it clear and and heading it well clear and then starting breaks off of that. And that kind of happened in this uh, situation about the 51st minute, I think it was. And then uh, Mendez looked like he did a good job of recovering, getting in front of of Maxi Morales. Then he he looked like he saw an overlapping run and gave a few yards, like as if he weren't wasn't really sure if he should track 
that runner knowing he had help inside or what I'm not really sure what was going through his mind there but uh, that gave Morales uh, some room to cut to his right and just absolutely blast a shot that was perfect in every way except that uh, Brian Rowe was able to get a hand on it push it off the post unfortunately it fell right in the middle of the box and that's where the defensive lapse came in where Everyone, if you right. go back and watch this replay, and if you go back and watch the replay of where Maxi Morales cuts to the middle and pause it and just look at every Orlando City player's head, everyone is just mesmerized by Morales. So when the ball comes in off the post, there's two New York players there, and Eber gets there first, and he puts it into the empty net and uh, makes it 1-1. It was uh, a little disappointing. It was, especially because, you know, you, you go into uh, the locker room, you've got a... One nil lead on the road uh, in New York against you know the team that we came into the league with, and uh, and you're playing well. Uh, and like you said, I mean, especially in the, the midfield, uh, I thought played particularly well. And then uh, Sonny and Janssen have have been pretty good in the last couple of games. And I think you're right. I think O'Connor is is finding a back line that he likes. Uh, and now that we've both agreed with that, he'll most certainly change it next week. Um, <laughs> but. Uh, you know, so there you are, and, and and you're up. Things are going well, as you said. Not good on the pieces, and uh, got burnt on the counter a bit. And and honestly, though, I mean, it, there was no reason after Brian Rowe made that that save, uh, there there shouldn't have been any reason why they couldn't have you know done something else with that ball other than let it you know go on the goal so it, it, it was absolutely a defensive lapse that uh you know ended up costing two points in the end but um that's there's there's been a lot of that this season uh, and it's one of the things they've that uh o'connor's talked about is is you know not giving up those uh dumb goals those easy goals those goals that you know shouldn't that, that you shouldn't give up i mean it's one thing if somebody hits a galazzo okay fine you know it, it's a great shot but um on something like that th- those aren't the ones that you're supposed to give up and those are the ones that end up costing points yeah it was not um a, a great I mean, it's easy for me to say it wasn't a great reaction by the, def- uh, the central defenders but I didn't have to run from box to box on that play at full speed, um, and they did. And, and of course, you know, once they got back behind the ball and and Morales made that shot, it was, you know, that's when they have to be, you know, that's when you're you're at your most tired. You've done just done the you know the hundred yard sprint. You gotta you gotta pick up your man and be smart. And in that case, they got caught ball watching. Nobody picked up the ball. Nobody picked up the trailing. Uh, secondary runner into the box, and, and it was an easy goal for New York. So it was 1-1 at that point. And I said this, I tweeted this at halftime that Orlando City needed to get more work for Sean Johnson because only two shots in the first half, and um, they ended up with three. So it wasn't what they really wanted to do or needed to do offensively. Right. But they were looking at, um, they were they were looking for opportunities, and they were looking for opportunities. Uh, sort of in transition and, and try to work their way up, uh, mostly through the right side. It wasn't a real dangerous game for Motinho, but Juan did a good job again uh, on the right side, and it was uh, an opportunity that he created after the change, after Dom Dwyer came in. Uh, again, Chris Mueller, I thought, was very hesitant to shoot. I thought he had several good opportunities to shoot. He passed them up looking for a better shot and ended up losing the ball in those instances and and when you don't get shots and you don't get uh, put the ball at the net then you know 
you, you're not allowing a good thing to happen. You're you're looking for it to be too perfect, and in in that stadium, with the condent the con, you know the 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 more confined space, and those guys close you down quicker, quicker than you're used to. So you have to take those opportunities and take them early. If you dribble, you're done. If you dribble in the box yeah. in New York, you're done. Unless unless you're gotten in on the break and there's not many defenders in there. But if it's like in the buildup of play and you get the ball in there, you've got to shoot right away. And they didn't do that, and Chris Mueller didn't do that. And Dwyer came on, and he had a great opportunity. Juan did a good job to get to the end line and popped over. I mean, we've seen Juan just absolutely make a disaster of a cross after making these excellent moves but this time he dropped it right on Dom's head <laughs> and Dom just basically missed the ball and I think uh you know I've seen a lot of anger for Dwyer on on you know of course on the internet everybody's upset that he didn't score the what would have been the game-winning goal but from you know from a perspective of, of being right in front of the net with no goalkeeper in front of him and it was just one of those things where I just think he had too much time and space to think about it, and he was just not quite on. He just missed it a little bit wide to the left, and and maybe if he was under a little bit more pressure, he would have had that that extra bit of concentration that he needed to put it in. You can argue that he should have put it in anyway, and you would be right. I'm sure Dwyer would be the first to tell you that he should have scored yeah. there and I'm sure that he's not happy that he missed it. He's probably not any happier or any less unhappy than any Orlando city fans. So, but you know, I, I spent, um, I spent a little bit of my Sunday watching some clips of, of missed sitters on YouTube from guys like Ronaldo and Messi <laughs> and Eric Cantona and, uh, uh Steven, Steven Gerrard and, and, <laughs> Right. And Frank Lampard and everybody does it. Every human being does yeah. it. In fact, we didn't even get out of the weekend before Christian Ramirez of LAFC missed one that was even easier to put in. And he hit his yes. over the bar from inside the six yard box and and LAFC drew against um Seattle who were they were down a man. So um that was a, an opportunity there. I didn't I don't follow LAFC Twitter you know, closely enough to see if he was getting the same level of hate that Dom Dwyer was. But I'm just saying every every striker does that. And Dom has done this throughout his career. And and yet he's still been a productive striker throughout his career. That If you want to go and find the story, it landed on um, yesterday, the 29th. And basically <laughs> people are talking about this massive slump that Dwyer is in because he's missed a couple shots this year. Well... <clears throat> It just so happens that he's scoring or assisting on a goal at a higher rate than at any point before in his career. Granted, it's only nine games in, but he's scored or assisted on a goal every 104.8 minutes through nine games this year. And his previous best was every 118.4 minutes, and that was way back in 2014 when he scored... um, he scored uh, his career high in goals that year. I think he scored 22 goals that year. So, Whoa, whoa, whoa. Excuse me, sir. Uh, you're bringing in facts and evidence <laughs> into a, a online discussion. I'm, I'm afraid those are not welcome. And, he, and, I'm, and like if you go through the next year, every 181.9 minutes, every 148.6 minutes, this is the best uh, conversion rate for goals and assists that he's had any, at any point in his career. And... It's also, Dave, the most substitute appearances he's had since his first full MLS season in 2013. 
This now man doesn't. He doesn't come off the bench. And I did a little bit of analysis to see, you know, if maybe he's a little bit better as a, a starter than as a substitute. It's kind of like the reverse discussion we've had all year about Chris Mueller, right? With Mueller, yeah. And it turns out that yes, he's he gets more of his goals, shoots the ball more often, and gets more shots on target, or gets gets a shot on target uh, more often. Uh, as a starter than he does as a reserve. He also uh, fouls way at a way higher rate off the bench than he does when he starts. So I think maybe it's a case of where Dom Dwyer is more comfortable on the field as a starter. And I think maybe, you know, 60-minute Dom doesn't miss the net there. And, right. you know, he's not trying to do too much. He'd only on, been on the pitch, I think, six minutes at that time. Maybe, maybe touched the ball once or twice. Um, but, and this is not an excuse for Dom Dwyer. I'm not saying you should be happy he missed or we should we should um, not expect better. I mean, everybody expects better. Dom Dwyer expects better. James O'Connor expects better. I'm just saying I'm not, I, I'm not coming here to bury Dom Dwyer because he missed one sitter or even if he misses two or three. I mean, this is who Dom Dwyer has always been throughout right. his career, and if you don't know that by now, you haven't followed his career. I mean, it's just, it's just the way it is. If you want Zlatan or Carlos Vela level finishing, please convince uh, the management of Orlando City to go out and get Carlos Vela or Zlatan. You know, uh, basically what you're saying is, is don't panic and bring a towel. Um, <laughs> there's another reference nobody else will get. God, you guys have to look this stuff up when we're when we're talking about yeah you know um i was, don't give them homework i, I also right <laughs> i was also thinking that uh you know nobody should really worry about this uh obviously james o'connor listens to the podcast and and reads the articles uh that we write including <laughs> yours so I, i'm sure that he he's now gotten the stats on this and and we'll see a change here uh, you know all joking aside that's i i'm so glad you, you went and did this you know this article because it 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 should hopefully for those who are reasonable on the internet <coughs> that was an intentional cough mm. uh, yeah for those who are reasonable on the internet to maybe take a step back calm down and and uh, you know realize that uh, like you say everybody does it I mean you know you mentioned some of the greatest uh, footballers of all time. And there's a video full of them all doing this exact same thing. And as much as we like Dom, he is not one of the greatest football, you know, footballers of all time. So um, chill out. He'll he'll find he'll find the goal. You know, mm-hmm. basically he just he just hasn't won it to yet. I mean, that's that's really what we're talking about. So I mean, Dwyer. This is the kind of player Dwyer is. I think for MLS 2.0, Dwyer is a top five, top six striker in the league. This is MLS yeah. 3.0, and MLS 3.0 is more about guys who can not only score goals but also set themselves up and set other people up. This is the age of the, the you know, the, you, you look at the way LAFC plays and you see Carlos Vela, you see um, Rossi, you see a guy like Alessandrini over in, uh, you know, across town in LA, and you see, uh, you see Zlatan and guys like that. And, you know, those are the guys... Pozuelo up in Toronto. We're going to see him this weekend. 
these are the guys now that are successful in MLS. It's not the target striker. It's almost like an attacking midfield midfielder that plays striker and has a, a very clinical finish. And I think that if, if you think about the, the fact that this roster is not likely to change until the end of the season, or, you know, I say the end of the season, but, you know, the window, basically by the time you get the benefits of the player you get late in the summer transfer window, it's late in the season. So there's not going to be a change. So he's a striker you've got. He's a striker that you've got to live with because if you don't want to live with him, you're living with Tesho Akindele, who's great. At, he's got two goals this year. His career high is seven, and that was back in 2014. Behind right. him, you've got two rookies. You've got Santiago Patino. You've got Benji Michel. I'm not sure Michel, still at this point in his career, I'm not sure Michel um, actually projects as a striker, maybe a winger or an attacking midfielder. Um but Chris Mueller's not a striker. People, no matter how much people want him to be, I mean, James O'Connor. Look, look who he's using on his front line in a four-three-three. He's using Chris Mueller. Okay, he can play wing, but he's not a striker. I mean, if I don't know that LAFC trades anybody on their front two lines for Chris Mueller, <laughs> and right. and Tesho Agandele uh, played striker, and Nani, and Nani's also not a striker, so. This is what we've got this year, and this is kind of what we're what we're dealing with. And this rebuild is not complete yet, but I do think that pro, you know significant progress has been made in the right direction as far as what the team can do with the personnel they have. And I think that Dom Dwyer is, is certainly capable of helping this team be successful. I certainly expect him to be in double figures and goals by the end of the year again, uh, as he's been throughout his career. I think last. I think 2017 might have been the first time he wasn't in uh, double figures and goals since 2013. So, um, and then he bounced back last year with double figures. So, uh, I think that Dom will be okay. I think we can all step back from the ledge and be okay with it. You don't, again, you don't have to be happy with the miss, but nope. he's not going to get back into form by riding the pine. He's not going to. You're not going to be able to trade him at this time of year. He, he, I mean, he's a DP, so that's a huge salary. You're not going to be able to trade him within the league. So it's it's time to just relax and say, okay, this is what we have. Let's move forward. That's how I'm approaching it anyway. Well, it's 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 that or, you know, be upset on the Internet. And quite frankly, I think the Internet is already – completely full of being upset so like you say you might as well just accept it and and you know see what happens relax a little bit mm. why not it's worth a try people people go to the internet to be mad to look for re- reasons to be mad i think there's plenty of reasons and, in everyday life to be mad you don't need to actually go looking for virtual reasons right but we just gave them another reason to be mad at us for saying to relax so i mean we're really just helping them either way hey I'm just echoing what Frankie says. Fra- Frankie says relax. Yeah, Frankie says relax. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just, uh, I'm just passing that along. So be mad at Frankie. Don't do it. Don't be mad at me. That's right. Okay. So anyway, Dave, the the chance by Dwyer went wanting. Um, New York had a couple of near misses. Uh, I thought uh, Brian Rowe overall played a decent game and. The game ended in a 1-1 draw. Orlando City now, Dave, has taken points in three out of four road matches, and that's not nothing. That is definitely not nothing. We we talk all the time on this podcast about 
how hard it is to get points on the road. So that is definitely not nothing. So this team went from going 0-3 against New York City FC without scoring a goal to drawing them both games. So And, and arguably should have won, uh, I mean not arguably, should have won both games. I mean obviously Dwyer could have made his shot in the second game and there should have been a handball in the first game. Which brings me back to a point that I wanted to make sure that I made. I don't know if you noticed this, but I got a big kick out of it. Anytime the ball went into the penalty area uh, in in front of Orlando City's goal, Anton Tinnerholm especially, but all the New York City players were just begging for handball after handball after handball. And it was like, this is the most delicious irony for a team that actually got away with a real handball in the box in the first meeting. Yeah. Yeah, it... it... Methinks thou does protest too much. It's like maybe you shouldn't be asking for a handball when you've already gotten the call of the year. I don't know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Where I guess maybe they're of the mind of, hey, it worked once. Let's try it again. Well, I mean, they 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 shouldn't bring any attention to hands on the ball after after that game. I, actually, for the uh, for the preview, how to watch, I actually posted a photo. Uh, the feature photo, if you go back and look at that, is a picture of Maxime Chenault, the guy who intentionally hit the ball with his hand and didn't get called for it. Uh, by the way, that same referee went to video review and called a handball this week, uh, this weekend, which was way less of a handball than the one in the, on opening day. Baltimore Toledo, ladies and gentlemen, pro referees. Pro uh, of course he did. Referee. Um, but anyway, that's a, that was just a nice little side irony. Um, the, <laughs> the, the the that was a double side irony. Yeah, it was just it was just funny to me that the fact that they were calling for that. But the, anyway, to get back to the, that thought, the photo that I put in the preview was the same guy, Maxime Cheneau, the defender, uh, the who um, knocked the ball onto Nani's foot. Thank you for that, Maxime. Uh, but he was the guy who had the handball in the box that wasn't called. And if you go and look at the preview, how to watch live thread um, that we did for the New York City game uh, this past weekend, uh, I used a photo of him uh, where you can clearly see him holding both of Tesho Agandele's arms. So uh, I had to add the little that add the little caption that when Maxime Chanel isn't handling the ball in the area, he likes to use his hands to hold Orlando's forwards. He's handsy. He's, he is. He's, I mean, this is a clear penalty. This is a picture of a clear penalty. Um, you know, you you can't hold you can't you can't hold the defender or the other team's forwards' arms. It's like you know he he's allowed to move and jump and do things. And if you hold onto his arms like that, he can't do those things. So it's illegal. You're not supposed to use your hands in the game. But anyway, um, Dave. 1-1 draw on the road isn't the worst thing that could have happened. It is a 1-1-2 road record now for the Lions after four trips away from Orlando City Stadium. Uh, those trips are going to get a little more difficult coming up. But what uh, did you see in terms of your selection for Man of the Match? Uh, I was... I was I was torn on this one. Um you know, I thought the midfield, uh, as we you know talked about, did a really good job. In particular, Yuri Um and of course, you know, 
then there's Nani doing what Nani does and scoring the goal and all that. And uh, I really, really went to go into this one and not give Nani my man the match because, frankly, it's been a bunch in a row where I've done that. Um, but at the end of the day, I, 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 while I think Rosell did a good job, I don't. You know, I don't even think he played as well as, as last week, which last week he, he played really well. Um, so, unfortunately, I'm going to give it to Nani again in the hopes that somebody next week will step up so I don't have to do that again. Not that I've got anything against Nani because, obviously, I keep picking him and he's playing well. Yeah, for me, there were a few standouts in this game. Nani was one. Uh, Sebas Mendez played a good game. He was another one. Odie Rosell was another Juan was another, and Robin Janssen. Those guys, I think, stood out to me in this game. Yeah, yeah, all played um, well, yeah. But I'm going to disagree with you and say Udi Rosell played every bit as good this week. A little bit of a different strategy, but I think he played every bit as okay. well this week as he did last week, and I gave Udi Rosell my man of the match. All right, well, that's two weeks in a row, ladies and gentlemen, where we had the same call on man of the match uh, as we... So, same this week as, as we did last week. Um, and, of course, we're both wrong on the score again. Yeah, so I think um, what we're seeing here is, uh, you know, Kleshen came off the bench again, this time in the 73rd minute. Didn't really have um, as much of an impact, obviously, as he did uh, against Vancouver. But he, uh, I, I think that Rosell, the way that Rosell and Sebas Mendez and Johnson are playing together as a unit, I think is something that James O'Connor likes. I think that it's, yep. this still is not, I think is not a, a it's not the midfield James O'Connor wants ultimately when he has an opportunity again to, to work with, with Luis Muzi and, and to try to turn over some of the some of the salaries, some of the higher salaries, get, move them on and get some new players in. But I do think it's a serviceable midfield for a 4-3-3 for this team. And it, where it really lacks is service to the front line. Rossell's trying to pitch in from a, from a deep position. Um, he doesn't move as far up the field as question when he takes over that role. And, um, you know, so you don't end up with as many opportunities. And this team doesn't really attack as much when it goes on the road. I mean, like I said, just a few shots. In fact, the official scorer didn't give Dom Dwyer a shot for that miss from point-blank range. I don't know what the Opta <laughs> guys are really looking at, but uh, they didn't give him one. And um, That was nice so, of them. Yeah. Maybe they thought he was. it was just a really, really sloppy cross. I don't know. I can't. I couldn't. I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you what he's trying it was to do. An, it was. Yeah. It was an accurate uh, header to the not in the goal. Yeah. I don't know. But anyway, that's uh, that's it. That's it for our uh, Orlando City, uh, New York City breakdown. Uh, we spent quite a bit of time on that. Here's two games we're not going to spend a lot of time on. Orlando Pride against Utah Royals FC and OCB against the uh, against North Texas SC. Um, I, I'm just going to give the score of the OCB game. It was 1-0. OCB never really, to me, looked all that threatening. Um, they're missing a couple of forwards right now to due to injury. Um, goalkeeper played great. Uh, Chade played fantastic. In fact, he's on Team of the Week for USL League 1. But the team still hasn't won a game. They can't score goals. It's uh, it's kind of a problem. Although I was impressed with the fact that they only lost 1-0. And that goal, incidentally, came on a defensive lapse. Uh, not really a lapse, but a it was an own goal, essentially, uh, on a cross into the box from a corner kick. 
and it kind of just should have been cleared. No one got on it, and it flicked off the inside of uh, of uh, an OCB defender and went into the net. So uh, it was 1-0. It was kind of not a great game to watch, and um, North Texas probably was a, a – I think they were very wasteful with their opportunities in the attack and probably could have won that game 4 or 5 nothing if they really had been a little sharper. But uh, OCB continues to experience the growing pains, uh, and um, they'll – They'll try it again this weekend, and maybe they'll get it right one of these days. Well, and I mean, we addressed we addressed this last week of as far as what expectations and and whatnot are or or should be for this team. So I don't want to rehash that. Uh, like you said, not not much more to say on it. OCB's got Chattanooga this Friday night at uh, Montverde. So um, Montverde Academy, if you if you want to go up and take a look, if you got nothing else going on on a Friday night. Have at it. So, our our own Sean uh, Rollins is not the only one there. Um, Dave, the pride came and home. Soccer, go watch soccer. <laughs> the pride came home, and uh, they still can't score goals or win games. Um, Utah Royals win one nil on a Kristen Press goal. I think it was maybe the best overall ninety minute performance for the Pride, but again, not nearly good enough. In fact, it's it's shockingly. It's really shocking how bad this team is offensively. I I can't yeah. imagine the collection of players they have at forward. You would think they would almost accidentally score a goal every other game, but the service has been terrible. This game was largely about bypassing the midfield. Uh, a lot of balls lumped over the top by the defenders. Um, Bogagu gets the ball and it's almost always just goes into a black hole and is never seen again. And it, the the final quality's not there. There's there's something missing from Mark Skinner's team that, and it's really in the middle of the pitch. I don't know that the midfielders are either grasping what he's putting down, either that or they're not capable of of really performing what he wants them to do. Uh, but I yeah. still think this team is largely thinking about the system and not reacting and not doing it naturally and it doesn't come off very good against a good team. And Utah's a really good defensive team, but they win the ball a lot in the midfield, and I thought that they did a really nice job overall, and, and you know, they were deserving winners. But um, the goal they got was a complete breakdown, again, by the defense. It looked like Carson Pickett and Shalina Zadorsky were both in a position to, uh, you know, to get up and, and bother Kristen Press and, and – she's only their best player why would you not want to defend her and get on her and be there and pressure her and like get in her face and not give space but yeah nah just let him just let him get the ball into her and just let her have some room and take her shot that's fine it's all fine yeah it's it's a uh it's certainly frustrating for those of us who uh enjoy watching the prider did enjoy watching the pride as you say it's, it's it's a little bit harder to watch uh these days and and it's has nothing to do with the quality of the players on the field although it may have to do with the um as you said the, the their quality in regards to uh, mark skinner's system um but if you if you concede the midfield that's that's not good um it's hard to move the ball if you pretty much concede the midfield because that's where a lot of the play happens uh you know there's uh, you know there are times where you know just lofting the ball uh into the attacking third will result in something and or um you know playing a counter but um once again 
if, if you're playing a counter, usually somebody from the midfield is involved in that, and it just hasn't been the case. And um, I, as frustrated as we are, I can imagine, you know, the Martas and the Alex Morgans, you know, some of the best women's players in the world are also incredibly frustrated. So uh, there's there's been a lot of talk uh, early on about how, you know, they're they're buying into Mark Skinner's philosophy and his 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 ideas, but it, it hasn't translated yet to um, an on-the-field product. And, and really, when they do get chances, they're just not... Uh, Marta's passed up a good score, a good shooting position two weeks in a row. This week, uh, she had a good, a good opportunity to shoot on Barnhart, and instead opted to try to get it across to Morgan, and the ball got cut off. I mean, Utah's got good defenders, and that was... It was not the time to try to do that. I think Marta has to be more assertive when she does get the ball around the net and in the yeah. top of the area. Um, this team is not getting, goal, got, getting goals, and they're not getting shots on target. They have 15 shots this week, only four on target. I think I mentioned, I think the last two weeks or two games prior to that combined, I think they had three shots that actually were on target. So four is an improvement, but it's not much of one. And if you get 15 shots, four on target is not terrible. But I mean, this team needs to be a little bit more clinical, and they need more from their from their opportunities. They're not getting them. Um, I, I'm I'm a little concerned about Rachel Hill. She seems to be non-existent a lot of the game, um, and I don't know if that's because she's like Chris Mueller and maybe is just a super sub type player, and maybe only when she plays in W League is you know is it against maybe not as high a quality. A, uh, overall teams. I mean, so there's a lot of quality in the W League, but not from top to bottom on each team. Doesn't have the same kind of quality as the NWSL, and maybe uh, she's able to get that extra bit of space she needs there. But she's she's not been sharp. I don't think Danny Weatherholt's been particularly sharp. Um, she only passed at a 68% rate this week, Danny. Um, Emily Van Eggman's not getting it done. 68% passing. Uh, it's it's not good enough, and it's mostly in the midfield where it's not good enough. Yeah, really weird with uh, Rachel. Uh, maybe she just needs to, you know, go to the other side of the world and you know be upside down because uh, it's it's not working. Um, she definitely played better as a a super sub uh, for Pride previously. Um, you know, uh, if I'm Mark Skinner, yeah, maybe I try that again, see if that you know kind of knocks her back into form. Um, but you're right. There's there's Nobody on the team is playing uh, right now. Nobody is playing as good as they did last season. And last season, you know, they, they didn't necessarily play that great either. But um, it was the quality was certainly better. And, and you know, you can chalk some of that up to, to learning a new system. But there, you still, regardless of what's going on, have to execute when you're on the field on simple things like you know defending, passing, stuff like that. And it's. Yeah. Um, it's frustrating to see players who we've seen execute in that manner not do so. Um, you know, when you talk about somebody like Chi, well, she always dribbles into a couple of defenders and you know loses it. You know, that's that's nothing new. So when that happens, that doesn't upset me. But like I say, when you know um, Rachel's not performing like she had previously, or in the W League, or um, Marta's not taking a chance when you know perhaps she should. Um, and that's kind of I'm not sure why she isn't you know at some point somebody like her I would think would just be like okay fine I'll do it myself um, 
you know, we've seen her do like one of the goals of the year last season was where she took on three defenders and ended up, you know, chipping the keeper. So yeah, uh, this is where we're not, and I'm not even asking her to take on defenders. The last two weeks she's had chances with no defender in front of her. Right. Yeah. Just not shooting the ball. Do something. Yeah. And so that's like you say, it's, it's, it's frustrating. It's confusing. It's frustrating. And, um, I think you're right. I think they're too much in their heads right now, um, and that's that's keeping them from just playing soccer. And they're playing, it's, yeah, it's they're playing on. slow. They're they're playing slow as a result because they're not they're right. not reacting instinctively and they're not there yet. And I know it's it's uh, hopefully this is something where in a month or two we're going to look back and go, holy cow! Remember when they couldn't do this because they were overthinking everything? But they need to play much much quicker than they have been. And I know Mark Skinner expects that. He he kind of had um, uh, some moments after the game where he brought his team together and he kind of got, you know, he he, he let them have it. He was like, I, you guys yeah. are going to be accountable for this and you're going to be accountable for the mistakes and you're going to be accountable for getting things right. And, you know, that it, I, I've seen some of our commenters complain about that, but, I mean, these are professional soccer players. They're, I mean, a tongue lashing or two is not going to bother them. They're, that's not going to be something that drives a wedge. That, I mean, this is a guy who <laughs> Allie Krieger famously just a few weeks ago said is the best coach she's ever had. She's had quite a few and, coaches in her career. Yeah, exactly. So, so I mean, it's it's not it's not a Mark Skinner problem. I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm sure there's there's already some people that are bent out of shape about Mark Skinner uh, because. <sighs> but if if you're, I mean you and I kind of expected a slow start and, and it's a little slower. Yeah. It's a little slower than I thought it would be from a scoring standpoint, but I'm, am I shocked that they're winless after four games? Absolutely not. Not with the four teams that they played this year to start the season, yeah. especially the, the first three and eight days. But um, I mean, it Dave, is worst case <laughs> scenario, but it's not necessarily unexpected. If I told you, Dave, uh-huh. the Orlando prides uh, leading Shooter and shots on goal getter in this game had four shots and two on target. Who would you think that that player was? Normally, I would say Alex Morgan. It was Alana Kennedy, Dave. She's not a striker, Michael. A center back is getting your most shots and your most (laughs) shots on goal. This is a problem. Now, granted, she's very good on set pieces, and that's where they came, but it's still a problem. Uh, That should not be happening. If I asked no, you who created who created the most chances on this team, the most scoring chances, who created the most? Uh, well, normally, again, I would say uh, Marta created the most chances. Marta in this game created no chances, Dave. Wow. Uh, Carson Pickett created six chances. Again, six scoring a chances. defender. <laughs> Maybe the problem is that Marta and Alex should be playing center back, and we should move Kennedy and, and pick it up pick to striker line. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Um, <laughs> granted, there's this the system that Skinner employs. There's there's going to be chances for players that ordinarily wouldn't get sure. chances because there's a lot of rotation things like that. So, uh, I mean, and Alex Morgan for you know credit her because she only took two shots but she did create three scoring chances for her teammates so that's I mean Alex is working hard and she's trying to do things I had somebody up in our Twitter mentions talk about how she doesn't care about scoring for the pride what? I can guarantee you that's not the case um, I don't usually, care I, if if she's playing she for plays hard. 
Yeah, I mean, if she's playing for an intramural uh, league in basketball, the only thing she cares about is scoring goals. Yeah, so um, not a great night for the Pride. In fact, it started before the game even started with Ashlyn Harris uh, coming up with a knee injury. Uh, Haley Kottmeyer yeah. got the start. Probably could have done a little bit better on the goal, but, I mean, I've seen Ashlyn Harris give up goals on similar plays that uh, to the one that, that Press scored on. But uh, she made five I'm saves. Compass. Yeah, I was going to say, Cop is one of the better backup, you know, keepers in this league. So, I mean, I I don't have a lot of grief about that. Yeah, Kristen Press tested her uh, with a, a just an unbelievable volley shot. Um, Amy Rodriguez uh, got down the left side all in alone, and it was 1v1, and she made a good 1v1 stop on, on Rodriguez, who probably should have done a little bit better, but uh, she made the save, good for Cop, and... Um, it was it was another one of those games where I mean it just seemed like there was no danger. Then all of a sudden the ball was in behind. It's like just one cross cross field pass, and it turned the entire defensive line inside out. And everybody was chasing. Krieger was chasing and and got caught a little bit inside. And and uh, you know I'm sure her defenders and she's got many of them will come to her defense and say, well she was trying to make up for. Alana Kennedy or Shalina Zdorsky or whatever. Maybe she was, but I'm not. I'm not saying. I'm just saying everybody was caught out of position, and Amy Rodriguez got in a, a free one-on-one chance because of it, out of nothing, really. I mean, that, that play kind of came out of nowhere. So um, kind of lucky it was just one nil, and um, I don't know that it's going to get any better for the Pride going up against the Dash in Houston because Houston's an improved team, Dave, and uh, they look. And they Orlando look like they, is not. Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, the the internationals, those that haven't left, will be leaving. And I think the U.S. Yep. players are already out. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's it's not uh, it's not going to get any better anytime in the near future. Uh, this team needs to go through some growing pains. But it will give other people a chance to come in and play, and, and that might be a good thing. We had Marissa Vigiano, one of the uh, – rookies that was drafted this year in the uh, NWSL college draft she made her NWSL professional debut got seven minutes at the end of that game only a couple of touches but uh, you know hopefully that will lead to bigger and better things for her and for Aaron Greening hopefully those guys can get on the pitch and uh, make make their mark while some of these internationals are out well one can hope (laughs) and it's not like we have a choice yeah all right, Dave, so the Pride will go on the road to face uh, the Houston Dash at 6 o'clock Eastern on Sunday the 5th, and um, hopefully they will come back with at least a point, and hopefully maybe three if we're lucky. But uh, they're going to have to play better than they have to date, and I think they've gotten a little better the last two games, and now that they've actually had an opportunity to get a full week's rest, um, actually playing on Saturday and then playing the next week on Sunday, uh, maybe they'll uh, it'll be better for, for some of the players that have logged a lot of minutes, like Danny Weatherholt and uh, Rachel Hill and Allie Rieger. Although yeah. Allie, may, Allie may be going to the World Cup. I don't know. <laughs> I yeah, the team who, who knows? Um, All right, if that if, if if she gets called up to the World Cup and she does not get in the game, Jill Ellis gets troll of forever. Ah, she's already got that. And you know it's going to happen, so. Okay, true. So let's not act like it's not going to happen. 
That's true. All right. Um, so, Dave, let's get to the – before we get to Orlando City against Toronto FC, who and they were, the Reds are actually good again this year as as opposed to the down year that they had last year. Um, let's get to our uh, mailbag. We've got some mail. You can hit us up and ask us anything, like anything, like really, like anything. Like It doesn't even have to be – soccer related can be soccer related we're we're obviously experts and our answers are beyond reproach beyond reproach am i am i laying this on thick enough yet i'm trying i think i feel like um, i am we are the final authority <laughs> we are the arbiters of truth justice and the American way? I don't know. Anyway, uh, you can hit us up two ways. You can hit us up on Twitter. We are at the mainland. That's our Twitter account. Uh, please use the, t- the hashtag AskTMLPC. Uh, or you can email us, and that email address is themainland at gmail.com. And we're going to start, Dave, in our Gmail. And that's where I will now close my uh, box score from the Orlando Pride Utah F- Royals game because it was, uh, it was not You good. didn't have that memorized? I don't memorize the box score. <laughs> I did when I was a kid because you know that's a, that way I could go out and I could you know I could right. you know I had one of those little I don't know if you remember these Dave those pitchbacks. Do you remember pitchbacks? Oh yeah, I remember pitchbacks absolutely. So what, if you don't know what these are, there's like these metal. My I think they were all orange. At least mine was these orange like sort of metal frames with netting in and them. They had and a you, little- Square in the middle. Yeah, yeah. So there was a target in the middle, so like a strike zone, and you could you could pitch a baseball, and and it and then it you know obviously if you're by yourself, it comes back to you and you catch it. So I had to memorize Dave the box scores, and I used to have because there wasn't all this crazy free agency like there is today. You know, usually you got you you came up with a team and you were with that team until you died, unless you got traded. And right. Um, not till you died. That's that's really that's really that's pretty bad. morbid. That's that's really dark. Until you retired. Let's let's go with that. That's a little happier. Uh, until you yeah, until you uh, went to Valhalla. I don't know. Until you were a broken down husk of a man. Everybody basically spent their career with one team. I mean, the vast majority of ball players. So I used to memorize those box scores so I could go out and pitch, you know, and have the Reds lineup, and I knew who was the who was the starter, you know, if it if it was um, obviously I was right-handed, so I knew what the right-handed uh, batting line uh, batting order was for right, you know, facing right-handers and that kind of thing. So that was something you could do back then. I don't know if you could do that nowadays because there's so many specialists. But anyway, I've yeah. digressed far enough. Let's get to Lee Gavlik's uh, question for this week. He says. Can we get a spoiler-free review of Avengers Endgame? Dave, you want to take this one? It was good. There you have it, Lee. I can't add anything to that without a spoiler. Um, <laughs> it was good. It was good. It definitely uh, was a resolution. Wait. It was, it was def- long. It was yeah, it was definitely long. I think it was a little... If I'm being honest, it was a, a little, little over three long. hours. I think that they could have cut a few things from that and still got all the impact they wanted, but you know, Maybe, big budgets. That is fine. It was, it was, it was good. I, I'm, I was in severe pain by the end of it, having to pee. But uh, see, I, I was smart. I peed right before, and I so usually I. when I go to the movies, I get popcorn and a soda, and I'll drink and eat freely. I 
measured my eating and drinking to make sure that I would not have to get up the first time I went and saw it. And yes, I've already seen it twice. Yeah, I um, I was actually pretty good. I, I did have a small soda. And, you know, at the movie theater, that's usually like a giant soda that they call a small. But the theater that I went to has gotten, like, really cheap. So their their $5 soda used to be like a quart, and now it's like, a re- like an actual small soda that you would get at, like, you know... The, so it's actually overpriced now. Yeah, it's like way over. It's like you, you <laughs> used you, you used two cents of syrup and a two cent cup, and it costs like five and a half dollars. But anyway, yeah. So I would say um, the only thing I would add to the fact that it's good and that it's long is that it, it does resolve the it last does. Avengers movie. It actually, it ties the entire you know ten years together in a nice you know bow tie gift to the fans mm-hmm. yeah it does it's it's good go see it I, go see it we both enjoy it and after a couple of weeks when we can not do the spoilers thing we'll tell you what you know we can delve into things that we had to think about it yeah we might do like a, a an after thing where we we sign off and then say like if anybody doesn't want spoilers you like sign you know turn it off and those that that do want spoilers can keep listening, but that's for another that's, time. That's, that's, that's an idea. All right. Um, Greg writes to us. He says he's a week late responding to my to my question back to him about the goal line tech and MLS. His answer is <laughs> his answer is no. He would not expect it to go without issue. But he hopes that a, a, a binary system, is it in or is it out, and the refs watch buzzes or it doesn't, would be a more straightforward implementation versus VAR. Uh, I'm just telling you, Greg, you just don't know pro-referee. What's that line from the movie? They could could F up a wet dream? Yeah, something like that. I was going to say, in a world where you think something (laughs) could get messed up, you have pro-referees. Yeah, they're they're not good. They're they're not. Okay, so his question this week is the pro-referee. We're at it again in the Pride match against Utah. This time, my major complaint is not about unbalanced fouls or the seemingly random application of cards, but rather the issue with player safety. In the first half, 42 minutes, the Pride were in the offensive third, and Rachel Hill played Marta into the box. Katie Bowen blocks and clears Marta's effort and falls to her knees on the end line. Pride, uh, the Pride earned a throw-in deep in Utah's half, but the pro-referee... Delayed the play of quick restart to give Bowen time to get up and get reset without needing a training trainer to come out. In the second half, the 78th minute, Alex Morgan gets a ball in the end line from a throw-in and has her ankles taken out by Katie Bowen again. Utah is awarded the goal kick, and with Alex still on the ground, no time is given for. Meanwhile, high up the pitch, Carson Pickett is on her hands and knees, crawling towards the center of the pitch, and still no whistle from pro referees. It took Haley Kopmeyer kicking the ball out to stop play to check on Carson. Question now. Is it going to take a serious on-field injury before there is better training and more consistency? For what, it, for what it's worth, if you were at the game when the trainers came out for Carson and the stadium went quiet, I was the guy who yelled out about protecting the players from both teams. Dave, what do you think? Is it going to take a serious on-field injury before there is better training and more consistency? I'm not sure that that would even do it. To be honest, I mean, it, it, it might they might 
do something, but whether it will actually, you know, amount to anything, uh, who knows? And, and then you add in the fact that the inconsistency is what we're talking about. There will be times where they do make those right calls um, just by accident. Um, and and so then, you know, they'll point to that and go, oh, well, that other one was, you know, uh, uh, it happens. So mm-hmm. I... I I'd love to say that, you know, or actually, I don't want to say I don't want that to happen. I don't want it to take that for them to do something. But even if it did, I'm not so sure that it would end up amounting to anything. Yeah, I'm it's sick about it now, but it's, you know, it's a sticky t- situation because the problem is that some players I know this is going to elicit a gasp from all of our listeners, but there are some players who fake injuries. Otherwise, you would just say <laughs> yeah. it's it's the the cool thing to do and the smart thing to do and the right thing to do is just always blow the whistle and stop play for an injured player. The players, and I'm not saying this is right or wrong, um, thinking uh, when you think about it this way, but I am saying that the players have kind of, over the years, brought some of this on themselves by faking injuries. And so it makes it difficult. It puts it referee into a situation where they either have to sometimes blow game blow plays dead even when they think the guy the guy or gal is faking or you know con- you're going to continue to have this problem um, where you know people will will fake this and you're going to have that that continue of the faking of injuries or you just let play go, and neither way seems to be a good answer. I don't, I don't really have a, a good answer. But I guess the question of is, uh, is it going to take a serious injury before there's more training, uh, better training, and more consistency? It, I kind of echo what you said. Is, is I'm not sure that would do it because we've seen the vast inconsistency. I mean, even this year from Baltimore to Toledo, when I talked about earlier. Yep. Letting the one handball go that was much more egregious uh, on New York City FC than the one he let go uh, this week in the, I think it was the SKC Revs game, if I'm not mistaken, that he let it go. Uh, and Or that he didn't let it go. He, he went and looked at it. Both In both cases, he went and looked at it himself. And in the first game, he said, no handball. And in this game, he said handball, even though the player was much, much closer, the arm was in a much more natural position and much harder to get out of the way. Um, right. So I, I just don't see it. I don't. I don't know what can be done. I mean, they've brought in a guy from England to try to fix the ref, the officiating. It hasn't happened yet. I don't know what can. I, I guess it's just gonna. It, if you think about it, it's kind of like our league. I mean, people in in Europe complain about their referees just as much as we complain about ours. But when I we was watch, just about to say that. But when you and I, Dave, when we watch the English Premier League. I think that you and I would both agree the overall level of officiating is better over there than it is here. Even though of course. The, even though everybody still complains about the officiating, I still think it's better there than it is here. And I think that's part and parcel of our game versus their game. Their game is sure. ahead of ours. Their game is more advanced. It's been going on, you know, for 100 years. Ours have been going on since what, the mid-90s. Well, and I think it's also partially a a uh, product of the American mindset to the game. For a long time, we were very much more just big guy, physical, you know, team type thing. And so uh, the the league, because it was in America, had a little bit of that of, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, get up your panty, you know, uh, 
and so because of that, um, they they might overlook some things that in another league they wouldn't. Now I agree with you more so that it's just that the game is more advanced. They've been doing it longer, uh, and of course the um, the referee organization has been in existence for a much longer time and and has more training and and they have more money. They get they get better players, they get better refs, they get better coaches. So it's it's overall a better product, and that's obviously not deriding the MLS. Obviously, I'm a fan of the MLS, which is why I do this podcast and write for this this website. So you know, it's it's I'm just being realistic. Um, but you know, it's you're right. I mean, it, it they still complain over they the, people complain about the refs in every single league in this world. No matter what the sport yeah. is, it yeah. does not matter. No, I'm just saying that you know you and I watch La Liga, Bundesliga, EPL. Yes. The officiating is yes. better right. there. It just is. And I don't yeah, know. No, absolutely. I don't know what they need to do here other than pay the referees more and attract better referees. That's. It's the same as the players. If if they took yeah. the shackles off and said no more salary cap, you would see better play here in the U.S. You would see better players coming to play in the U.S. And you yep. would see be- better referees, you know, by the same token, if they spent more money on, on referees. So right now... Down with the Garber box. Unfortunately, there is no alternative <laughs> right now, no good alternative to pro-referees. Uh, and that's not going to change anytime soon. Also, sorry for rambling. Greg wants to know, uh, where do you all come down on two soccer fashion items? Headbands on male professionals, Brian McBride style. I'm a little disappointed that he didn't say Dylan Powers style, actually. Right, because uh, that's the one I love. <laughs> and hair bows on women professionals like Haley Rasso and Brittany Radcliffe. What say you, Mr. Uh, David Rowe? I say let them wear whatever the heck they want to because it they're the ones that are getting paid to play, and if that makes them feel good when they're playing, by all means, as long as it meets the uniform standards that they have to meet for the league, I don't care. I I'm really f- don't. I'm for it, especially in MLS, where it can maybe d- distract you from bad Adidas kits. Ooh, that's a really good point, and uh, <laughs> I'm glad you brought up Dylan Powers because uh, I do love his headband. All right, thank you, Greg, and thank you, Lee, for your email questions. Dave, what do we got in the Twitters this week? We got plenty in the Twitters, so okay. let's uh, let's let's get to it. All right. Do you, do you have um, the one that we missed last week? Because I feel bad that we missed one last week. Um, I'm going to have to go back and it? find that one. So I tell you what, if you have the regular Twitters, I will go find that one. All right. Let me see if I liked them because that's going to be enabling me to find them easier, and that's what I usually do. So let me look at my likes. Okay. Um. I know we have a question from uh, Ryan Smith. Okay. Ryan would like to know, does anyone else find it hard not to shout nights at other sporting events during the playing of the anthem now? It's like it is ingrained in my brain week after week. Does it get shouted in the press box, Michael? Does Dave quietly mumble Knowles? 
Um, it does not get shouted in the press box. We would get yelled at really, really loudly uh, <laughs> by the communications staff for Orlando City. Um, I wish it didn't get shouted by anyone because, in my opinion, and yeah, this is my scalding hot take, so put your oven mitts on, folks. Put your flame retardant outfits on because I'm about to drop my hot take. This should only be yelled at UCF games. UCF, they're the Knights. The Lions are not the Knights. Are the Lions the Knights, Dave? They are not the Knights, and, and it's not that scalding hot, and I'm going to add to it when you're done. Does it make sense to yell Knights for a team called the Lions in any way? No. Is there a common theme running through f- going on five years of futility in Orlando City soccer other than maybe yelling Knights during the national anthem to set a really bad tone for the game? No. Okay, maybe there actually is more than one thing okay, there. But, but that is a consistent theme. I think this city, this team, and these fans are being punished not only for yelling nights, but for that damn Seven Nation Army that they play before the game. If we get, get rid of Seven Nation Army and get rid of yelling nights, this team is going to win MLS Cup. That is my hot take. Okay, so... <laughs> I'm actually so everybody knows I live in Tallahassee. Yeah, I, I am an FSU fan. However, I'm not an FSU graduate. Uh, I am actually a Stetson Hatter graduate. And so when I was in school back in the day, UCF and Stetson were in the same conference uh, for basketball and baseball because neither team had or neither school had football. So for me, Every time I hear that, when I'm at a team that I support, it's like nails on a freaking chalkboard, okay? It's not the team that I went to support. As you said, that's UCF, not Orlando City. So stop, for the love of God, doing it. It has nothing to do with it. Um, if I go, I actually have more... I would say I have a better uh, argument to yell O during O Say Can You See because I'm an Orioles fan because at least O is Orlando City, like O. At least it's the same letter. I think I have a better standing than that. Right. And I'm not saying that I would do it, but I'm saying I have a better argument for that than yelling night, which is not even how it's spelled in the thing, that it currently happens. So I'm on the I'm very much on the let's stop that bandwagon. I just and got I'm, it, Dave. I just got it. I have the idea. I have the solution. This is what everyone right. should do. Okay, okay. The first line is O oh, say can you see? Yes. Yell O at the beginning of that line and then the final word there is C. Yell C. O C. Orlando City. There you go. Do that. Done. Beautiful. That's awesome. That makes so much more sense. Now we just need more than the five people that listen to this podcast to tell it to other people. Pass it on. Pass it on. <laughs> Make it go viral. <laughs> That's what this team needs. It needs its own uh, national anthem um, yelling. That's that's what it needs. All right. Thank you. Thank you to Ryan Smith for your question, and we do appreciate your uh, offer to take us to the game this week, um, but I'm glad you were able to sell your tickets. Spot yes. uh, would like to know, Dave, what upgrades to the current squad are needed to make Orlando City a top-level team? 
<laughs> um, well, we've already gone on kind of long. Um, we need a top-level goalkeeper, uh, and that's nothing against Brian Rowe, but uh, as I mentioned in a previous podcast, you saw the difference once uh, Liverpool got, um, you know, Allison. Um, we need uh, at least one more striker, um, if not two. Uh, we need uh, attacking mid. We don't have enough attacking mid, and that's all just quickly off the top of my head. Um, honestly, at the very least, those three, and probably more. I'm going to say what upgrades do are needed. Uh, the upgrade that we need is for people to let Luis Muzi and uh, Ricardo Moreira do their job because they haven't been here long enough to affect the kind of change that this team needs. And I think that just small upgrades in a few key areas would make this team a challenger, uh, you know, a playoff contender. I, I think I, I feel quite strongly that there's a good deal of quality on this team, but it's not quite where it needs to be. I don't think it needs to be huge upgrades. I think some of the players now that are starting would make fantastic MLS reserve players. But I think this team needs just a little more time under Muzi and Marrera to uh, to implement some change and to, to build an MLS 3.0 quality team. That's what I think. Okay, there um, you have it. Spot also wants to know, did you like Endgame and the Battle of Winterfell? We're not spoiling, right? Okay, well, right, no spoilers. We, we we kind of already addressed Endgame. We both said it was good, and I would even border on. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, there are... I, I will add this for the Endgame thing. There are cheer-out-loud moments in it. There are also cry-out-loud moments in it. There are absolutely cry out loud moments in it. So yes, I mean it's it, it will make you laugh. It will make you cry. It will make um, you kiss ten bucks goodbye. Yeah, yeah, true. <laughs> uh, as for uh, the battle battle of Winterfell, um, yes, I very much enjoyed it. Um, I, I was uh, unfortunately for me. I, I write Monday Lion Links, which is uh, is written on Sunday night. So inevitably, I'm having to split my attention between uh, Game of Thrones and writing Lion Links for you folks. So uh, it's <laughs> – and yet uh, it was a very satisfying um, – God, without spoilers, I mean, what can I say? Um, no spoilers, Dave. He just asked if you liked it. It was awesome. <laughs> I really liked it. It was great. There you go. Liked them both. Uh, they could have both been better, but they could have both been much, much, much worse uh, than they turned out. So, yes. Uh, and and we, they could have been a lot more worse than they yeah. could have been better. Right. Because we, they were we, both excellent. We both we both enjoyed. Thank you, Spot. Uh, what do you got, Dave? Did you find last week's that we missed? Yes, I did. So uh, David Valentin says, one, do you see Orlando City winning Open Cup? Not this year. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Not this year. I mean, they're they're still building. Uh, I think they have a team. It, and- de- it depends on the, the, the way that they rotate squad for it, but I think they could – I certainly think they're capable of going to the quarters or the semis or even reaching the final, but I, I just don't think they're deep enough to win the whole thing. Winning the whole thing is tough, especially when you're also worried about an MLS season. So, And two, 
Uh, and oh, and this just so everybody knows is from last week we missed, and we're we're very sorry, David. We're um, so sorry. So sorry. Uh, number two, the rumor is that Orlando City is going for a splashy signing in the summer. What position is in greatest need? I think this team needs a goal scorer, so I think that's where it would happen if it were to happen. I don't believe a rumor of a splashy signing. My indications are not that that will take place. It would also require a... I mean, right now they could bring in a TAM player because the uh, the uh, the trade of the um, allocation order spot. Hmm. And that's it. There's no room to do anything else. They could bring in a TAM player, but it's not like a high-level TAM player. It's We're talking somebody that's going to cost three or $400,000 maybe. It would take uh, unloading some salary to bring in somebody splashy. I, I just don't see it. I, I, I think that if they did bring somebody in, it would probably need to be a goal scorer or a, a really high-quality um Midfielder that can cover a lot of ground to play defense, but also has the kind of quality going forward that you want. Um, you know, maybe a poor man's Miguel Almiron kind of player, but uh, I right. don't see, I just don't see it. I don't, I don't, I think the rumors are wrong. I don't think there's a splashy uh, signing coming up this summer unless uh, significant salary is unloaded. Yeah, I'd agree. I think the uh, splashy signing signing already happened with Nani, and uh, like I said, unless there's a bunch of money freed up, I, I don't think they have the, the cash flow to do uh, that. Um, I'd also agree that the regardless, uh, the position of greatest need is going to be striker. Um, and there's, as I mentioned, you know, a question or two ago, there's a couple other areas that that could be addressed as well, but um, I don't expect them. You know, to be addressed this summer. So, I mean, if it was anything, it's going to be in the attack. All right, Dave, do we have any other uh, Twitter questions? Let me go back and make sure you hit them all. I had to go into the deepest part of my my Twitter to go find the one we missed. So, hashtag ask TMLPC and... Uh, nope, I think you got him. All right, well, if we missed your question... Uh, Let us know. <laughs> yeah, resend it, because sometimes we lose stuff. We're, you know, we have real jobs, and it's, well, <laughs> it's kind of hard to, to track sometimes, but we got a lot Not going Captain on. Captain America, dang it. Yeah, we've, we've, we've got definitely got some issues uh we need secretaries but we're not paid paid enough to to hire salary uh, secretaries or personal assistants whatever they're calling them these days i I can't keep up with the lingo um basically i get paid enough to buy beer well that makes one of us i will uh (laughs) like to thank our our listeners who sent in questions and uh you could do that two ways again email us the mainland at gmail.com or Hit us up on Twitter. At the mainland is our Twitter account, and you can use that hashtag AskTMLPC. We had no iTunes reviews this week, so I uh, just want to remind you if, you if you go to iTunes and you leave us a five star review, uh, and uh, you know, don't just click five stars and expect us to read that because we can't do that. Uh, you know, do leave an actual review with the five stars, uh, and um, we will read that on the air. That would be we really want helpful. we we. 
we want to read this for you guys. Come on. <laughs> we we would because that would uh, mean we got a five star review. But uh, either way, even if you only think we're a four star outfit, please go give us a star rating. That's how we get in front of more people on iTunes, and we would really uh, like to reach more people because uh, that's good for everyone involved. So it is, but th- five stars better. It is. I'm not going to dispute that. All right. As, as Nuke Lelouch said in Bull Durham, I love winning. You know what I'm saying? It's better than losing. Anyway, yeah. uh, Dave, the <laughs> the guys from Toronto FC are coming to town. So the Reds are coming. And Can we play last year's Reds? Um, I don't know. This team could probably, could probably want to play the Cincinnati Reds. Yeah, that's true. If we could play the Cincinnati Reds in soccer, I would do that. That would yeah. that would be better. I bet they'd be okay with that. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so Toronto FC is coming to town, and they obviously have a splashy new version of uh, Giovinco. Uh, this one's called Pozuelo. <laughs> uh, I guess they always have to have an O on the end. But um, Toronto That's where we're in... going wrong. Yeah, we need more people with O's on the ends of their name. Uh, so Toronto comes in in fourth place, Dave, 13 points, but they've only played seven games. So they have three games in hand on the Eastern Conference leaders, D.C. United and Montreal Whew. Impact. And those three, if they're all wins, would obviously push them up to 22 points. That would be five points clear of D.C. Yeah. and Montreal. So they've been pretty good. They're 4-2-1 and one on the year. Uh, on the road, they're 1-1-0. One, one oh. They're 3-1-1 one, one at BMO Field. Uh, very good team. Now, Josie Altsdor had been hurt and uh, uh, did not play in the most recent game, uh, if I recall correctly. Uh, but they've got... Let me guess, a, he's back. I don't know. I actually haven't checked. But they, they have a veteran team. Um, you know, they've, they've, you know they're, not, they're not that far removed from the team that won the treble and had the, arguably the best ever MLS season. So... Yeah. Um, you know, Toronto is a, is a team that um, it, pro- it has a lot of. It's going to present a lot of problems for Orlando City, and and Toronto has uh, throughout the years. Although uh, James O'Connor beat Toronto last year. Now, granted, they weren't as good last year as they are now. But uh, how do you see this game shaping up? What's your key matchup? And do you have a score prediction for me? I have all of the above. Okay, so. Um... Basically, my key matchup is Brian Rowe is going to have to have himself a stand-on-his-head game because I feel like uh, shots are going to come fast and furious. And as improved as the back line has been of recent, um, we, we saw what happened last week. He's, he's going to have to – this is the week where he has to step up and be the man. And so whether he does or not will determine how – good or bad the week goes um that said i think that despite it being at home and and the the only reason that the score i'm about to give is what it is is because it's at home i say a 2-1 loss for the lions at home against Toronto fc they are very strong and um i just don't think that this team is quite where they need to be to uh, stop a team like that. Unfortunately, if it was on the road, it would have been worse. Okay, okay. I hear, 
I hear what you're saying. Um, Toronto is, uh, again, uh, hasn't played uh, much um, this year. There's seven games in. Uh, Josie Altador was hurt on the 19th, and it says out two to three weeks. So that's going to be close. Um, that's the This is the most recent information that I have. I don't know that he's... I don't know if he's back at training or what, but, um, you know, it's possible that he'll play this week. But it, And if he does play, I, I'm going to say you're probably overselling it from an Orlando City perspective because, yeah. because Josie has killed this team. Um, yeah. But Alejandro Pozuelo is... Uh, he's... He's like Ignacio Piatti on steroids, I think, from what I've seen yes. of him so far. And it's going to be it's going to be a difficult game. And I say for certain, uh, controlling Pozuelo is uh, is the the absolute key matchup. But there are other guys that can hurt you on this team, including Osorio and Marky Delgado and uh, uh, Michael Bradley, and uh, you know Jordan Hamilton and played uh, the striker role for them this past week, but. Uh, Pozuelo plays like uh, played like as a, a sort of false nine underneath him, according to the uh, shape that I have uh, in the uh, the match report, and he's the guy that really they gotta they gotta take care of, and and that's not going to be easy. It's probably going to be a combination of Mendez and Rosell and Johnson who have to sort of team up and then work with the back line, but they're going to have to control him to have a chance at this game. I am going to be crazily optimistic and say it's a 1-1 draw. Whoa! I don't know why. I don't know what I'm thinking. Maybe it's just my mood right now, but it just if I'm just gut feeling it, I'm going to say 1-1 based on Orlando's uh, ability defensively the last couple of games. Now, that that's just kind of me coming at this from a blind gut feeling that's not uh, with me not having seen what the lineup's going to be or anything if if James O'Connor gets crazy and changes the lineup around this could get ugly <laughs> because yeah. uh, things were starting to work and it's like oh now uh, that's exactly what they're expecting us to do so I'm not going to do that I'm going to play one at the back this week that'll show them they're not ready for that um, yeah it's it's James O'Connor's been a little bit of a mad scientist since he's been here I mean he I don't think he was necessarily like that so much in Louisville. He's not afraid to change the lineup, which is great. He's not afraid to use, you know, different players, which again is fantastic. But at some point, you've got to find your best lineup, and this team is not that doesn't have huge depth, so they've got to find the best. Yeah, lineup. there's so many pieces you can move around. Yeah, yeah, they've got to have their best lineup on the field most games, and coming home to now play, last season. Go ahead. I was I was going to say last season we figured out that either you were good on the predictions with your head or your gut and I was the opposite. Do you remember which it was? Because I don't remember. Because you went with your gut this time, and I'm thinking it was you were good with your head and I was good with my gut, or it was the opposite. Maybe it was you were good with your gut, so maybe you might be right this time. I don't know. My gut's probably an idiot. I don't know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't. I, I I can't tell you. Well, I can only. I, can I, only I don't say, want to go along with that because I don't want to go along with that because that means my head's an idiot. Well, I mean, if it I, is what I, it is, yes, I know. Yeah, I, I got you. I, yeah. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm not. I can neither confirm nor <laughs> deny that. I don't know. Uh, anyway, so that's the way I see it, and I just think that this team is. Um, 
It's been building towards something. It's been more competitive this year. I think it'll be a close game, but it also could be a blowout. It's it, This team is... Um, I mean, you go back to the Montreal game, and that was really the blowout this year. I mean, I think this team has kind of hung around most of the time other than that. Uh, but the last couple weeks, the team hasn't given up that silly early goal in the game, and they've been right there throughout. So... They need to do they, that again. If they can, if they can, if they can get through that that magic first twenty five thirty minutes, they're usually pretty good. This team has not lost by more than one goal, other than that Montreal uh, yeah. game. Every other game they've been in, and either uh, one drew or lost by one one goal. So this you're team right. Has it's, it's not won a game by more than one goal. <laughs> no, they haven't won a game by. I was trying to focus on the positive. Well, it's it's an I think it's a little bit of an offensively challenged team, but I think that when you have uh I mean for me the secondary matchup obviously is going to be Nani against their back line because I think they have a, a they have such a good veteran back line that Lawrence Simon didn't even play last week. Um Yeah. But they've they've still I mean they got Mavinga's played very well for them and uh, they've they've got a, a, a group of veterans across that back line who can pl- they can all play. Um, typically, Orlando City doesn't score a lot of goals against Toronto. And you know if you go back to um, you know the year before last and, and going back back the last couple of years, they pretty good defensive team overall I think for the most part and. It's mostly because they've 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 had a pretty good run of keeping back lines together for the most part. I mean, they, they might have a change here or there uh, over the course of the year in terms of like from one year to the next, like a, a beta shore leaves, for example, or something like that. But uh, right. they usually plug in another good player and it kind of as long as those guys remain together, they usually play well as a unit. And that's something that kind of has impressed me about them. Um, you know, especially their their championship year. Uh, but Zavaleta, uh, Mavinga, Moro, and Auro, uh, those are the four that played along the back last week, and that's a pretty strong foursome. And then you put uh, Michael Bradley in front of them to shield them, and uh, you've got a pretty strong group. Um, so uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see if Nani can find space among them, but also it's going to be interesting to see if Orlando City can deny Pozuelo space, so it's 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 a challenge. But for whatever reason, I'm thinking maybe we can frustrate them a bit. And but it, it, again, it comes down to can Orlando City play a consistent team again? Can, you know, there was only one change this past week, so maybe if they just do it again and just put Dwyer back in for Akindele and or put Dwyer in and pull Mueller and let Mueller be the super sub, uh, that might be all they need to do to maintain some continuity and, and build off that. I know a lot of mm-hmm. people are saying, a lot of people are saying, Juan looks tired. He needs a rest. I don't think he looks tired. I think he, he's been getting his, he's been getting his tail beat. I mean, he's been getting kicked in the shins repeatedly, knocked down, fouled. Um, you know, maybe if the refs start uh, calling some, some of those fouls, uh, maybe they'll stop doing that. And then he will be able to look a little livelier toward the end of games. Um, I think fitness-wise, he's fine. I think he's getting absolutely crunched on by guys. Uh, because Well, he's not a big name, so... Well, people don't like to be uh, made to look foolish, and uh, that Brazilian right back of ours seems to be pretty good at making people look foolish. Oh, yeah. So, 
All right, well, we will see uh, what happens. We'll come back and we'll do it all again next week. We'll talk about Orlando City against Toronto FC, Dave. We will uh, talk about, probably briefly, about OCB's game against Chattanooga (laughs) and the Pride and the Dash and anything else that comes out uh, in the news that uh, requires discussion. We will be on it and, um, you know, we'll we'll be back and we'll, we'll talk about it all. We'll answer our listener mail and hopefully we'll read a five-star review that somebody wrote to us uh, this week and uh it'll be a good time it'll and that'll be episode 161 it will and if if you want to ask us a non-spoiler free question about the game of thrones that came out this week uh the the battle battle of winterfell we will answer questions about that because it will be a whole week ago and if you haven't seen it well then tough nogies yeah, here's the thing about uh, Game of Thrones. That a lot of people um, were very respectful, I think, for a long time with Game of Thrones in not spoiling things. Uh, but now that's off the table. This These final six episodes, that's off the table. It's a cultural event now. It's bigger than, it's bigger than a regular TV show. It's an event, and people are spoiling left and right. And uh, it was, it was like, I, I was watching it a little bit delayed, for kind of the, the same reason that you were, Dave, in terms of I was get, have, getting other things done. And I had to make sure... I usually sit with a laptop in front of me and social media open, and I had to make sure that I closed that sucker because people were talking and they were not shy about what they were spoiling. And it, it's it's gotten kind of like the last season of Breaking Bad, where it's now it's a cultural phenomenon and people are like, damn the spoilers. This is This is bigger than that now. If you're not... If you're not making, if you're not it, watching yeah. tough stuff. If you're not making an appointment, making clearing your calendar for this, that's on you. Is kind of how people are looking at it. So, um, I would say this: you and I, Dave. If if people do have actual questions about uh, Avengers or, in, or or Endgame or anything Marvel comics or any of the, oh, um, yeah. or any of the Game of Thrones questions they want, if it's if they don't mind spoilers or if they want us to address it, I think we can do that at the end of the show next week and say, get your questions in. We will tell people this is the end of the show unless you're wanting spoilers for these other things, and then we can discuss it that way. I think that's brilliant. I think we should do that. Yeah, that's that's a, that's a fair way. Uh, it allows those who, for whatever reason, did not make that appointment uh, appointment watch or for some weird reason haven't already seen Avengers, you know, three times, which is how many I've seen it by then, uh, to, to do so. Yeah, that's, that's a good plan. All right. Well, that is if anybody bothers to ask us because we don't know if they will. Uh, and we are an Orlando City podcast primarily. We are the podcast uh, and we will uh, continue to focus on that. But again, if people do want, if they do care about our takes on those things, uh, we can certainly address that at the end so as to not uh, catch people up. In or anything time. else. Yeah, or anything else. But we can address that in our Ask the Mainland podcast anything segment. So we will be back next week. Thank you. That'll do it for 160. And uh, I would thank our guest, but we didn't have one because I, again, was just had too much going on to get one and um it seemed like a bad week to have a guest when there's the teams had one point out of a possible nine on saturday it just didn't seem like i 
it seemed like it, there were better times to ask maybe another time. <laughs> so uh, right. we'll try We'll try to get players on uh, here in the near future. Uh, and maybe some of uh, the other bloggers, I, we tend to, we, we, we did that so much the first few years that it sort of seemed like we we're repeating ourselves a lot. Uh, but we can certainly go back to having some of these other bloggers on. Um, sometimes it's harder to reach the, our friends in Canada, um, who, uh, maybe don't spend way too much of their time online like we do. <laughs> uh, hey. but we'll, we'll try to figure that out and, and get you some guests soon because it's been a few weeks, so... But thanks for listening. Thanks to those who uh, sent us questions. And we'll be back for 161. That'll do it for 160. So uh, we'll head out for now and be back next week. We'll sign off the way we always do by saying, oh, by the way, (laughs) before I do that, before I say those magic words, please read our stuff at themainland.com. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. uh, And uh, you can follow Dave on Twitter at mainland dave i'm main at mainland michael and our twitter of course is at the mainland and now i can sign off the way i always do by saying go city go pride and go ocb